So I wanna just test your memory. This is your pop quiz this morning, okay? So last week, Chan had three points. Can anybody tell me what one of those points are? Raise your hand. What's that? Okay, one of the points, you're good. One of the points from last week, we're talking about biblical threats. Messianic expectations, okay, good. Okay, a low view of friendship. There's one more. Watch out for this part of this whole thing. Selfishness, good. All right, I don't know if you were like me this week, just thinking about those different categories, evaluating your own heart. I really appreciated what he had to say last week and the encouragement just to evaluate either the low view, a messianic view, or just a self-centered view of friendship. So today we're transitioning to, like I said, the benefits of friendship. And we're going to talk about really just the, the, the value of what God has given to us in friends as we walk side by side. So last week was the negatives, don't go this way. Now we're saying, look at what God can give you in a friendship. And the next week is going to be, all right, how do we do this practically? And that's where Chan's going to spend two weeks talking about how to be a friend, what are the, what are the characteristics of a good friend, how to cultivate that. All right, just to remind you also on your notes, if you see there, I, I added the book list so you can see the books we're, we're working through. And then also um, on the back is a QR code. Some of you have submitted different questions. Those are really helpful for us, for Chan and I, just to see what's going on, what questions you're asking. And then at the end, we'll come to that panel discussion and uh, we'll talk through some of those, okay? I'm looking forward to that time as well. Let's just pray and uh, ask God's help for this morning. Father, we're grateful for the reminder this morning that you value all of life. What a, what a powerful reminder, God, to us. And I think um, all of our hearts are just feeling the weight of that this morning. And um, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we transition now to think about friendship and what friendship means for us as Christians. Lord, would you please allow us to be an encouragement to one another as we leave here today in light of what we're hearing. Lord, would you use this time around your word talking about the gift of friendship that you've given to us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Father, to practically just work out this week what it means to enjoy the benefits of friendship. Lord, help me to have wisdom as I communicate, Lord. I wanna honor you this morning with my words and I pray that those who are here listening that you would, you would encourage them Father, and may you be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A while ago, when I was a teen, a friend and I went to a, a family's home in the church. And this family was a little bit more well-off, the kind of family that has decorations on their coffee tables like dried fruit. You know what I'm talking about? The kind of dried fruit that's maybe like a cinnamon spice like scent to it, and it's supposed to be there to be a decoration. Well, my friend and I are sitting at these, these nice couches and we're just waiting for the real meal to start. And he reaches over and he grabs one of those dried up apples and eats it. And to this day, I have no idea what motivated him. Outside of being a teen guy, was he hungry? Did he actually think there was something like nutritious there? But I can tell you this, it wasn't satisfying and I'm sure the aftertaste was terrible. Okay, these are like substitutes in our life, right? We think of substitutes that are happening right now. Everybody's learning about egg substitutes. Is that true in here? 
Ladies especially, I don't know why I keep seeing and hearing about memes about egg substitutes. Or like there's a substitute for pizza crust, cauliflower crust. I'm like, what? That is not even a thing. I don't know how this works, but people are substituting pizza crust with vegetables. But the point is this, there are substitutes in our life, aren't there? Things that promise something, but they're not as good as the real thing itself. This is true in friendship, just as it is in other areas of our life. Things like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, go on and on. These technological advances that are intended to maybe help us have more friends can sometimes cause us to have very shallow friendships with a lot of people, very limited friendships. Now, just so you know, my goal this morning is not to have some kind of like crusade against social media so we all close them out. It's not my plan this morning. But I do want to call attention before we step into the benefits positively of friendship to the reality that the substitutes do not provide the benefit that we're longing for. There are substitutes of friendships, not just social media, other things as well, but they bring about this kind of superficial friendship or substitute and, and benefit like that apple on the table. Something that's just not going to satisfy the real longing of our heart. Sometimes it's because of how we approach those things. Listen to Tony Reinke. He talks about uh, 12 ways our iPhone is changing us. It's a good book. And he talks about uh, some of the motivations. Listen to this. He says, perhaps it's not going too far to say that we love social media because it comes without the hazards and commitments of a real world community or because we really harbor a deep disappointment with human beings who are flawed and forgetful, needy and unpredictable in ways that machines are wired not to be. It is safer to approach one another from behind a machine. It's a little brutal, isn't it? But I think there's some truth in what he's saying. There are times in our life when we want to keep people at a distance or they're just messy enough. If I just keep them over there, and social media allows us to have those kinds of distances. And so we're drawn to social media or those substitutes for different reasons. And we look at them thinking, oh, that looks good. It'll be a great substitute. And then we go there and your experience is probably the same as mine. It does not deliver, does it? Does not deliver. And in fact... I think my wife is right when she said this. At times, it doubles our troubles and halves our joys. The opposite of where we're going today. It doubles our troubles and halves our joys. Listen to this from a technology journalist writing on Facebook specifically. He says, on a slightly different note, there's something about the relentless happiness of people on Facebook that I find monstrous. Everyone is apparently always somewhere better than I am. And what's more, they're having a brilliant time. My life is not like that. In reality, no one's life is like that. These are, of course, constructed narratives or best ofs, but sometimes it is hard to reason to yourself that these people aren't having fun all the time when all you ever see of them is pictures of them having fun all the time. I suddenly start to feel pangs of inadequacy and jealousy, and this is our line here. And these people are supposed to be my friends. There is this reality with substitute friendships. They offer us something really good, but sometimes they cause more trouble than they're worth. And so my encouragement as we transition into the real benefits of real friendship is really for us to put the seasoned apple and the spicy apple back in the bowl where it belongs in the living room 
and let's head to the kitchen to find something actually satisfying. Let's head to the kitchen to find something that really satisfies the longing of your heart. The substitutes have, they have their place, but it belongs in the living room. It's not for your stomach. It's for you to smell and look at. But let's find the real substance that God is offering us somewhere else. And so what are the benefits of true biblical friendship? I had this quote in your notes. J.C. Ryle offers this. I think he just nails it. And this quote has just been going through my mind all week. This world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It is a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. Did you catch that? It halves our troubles and it doubles our joys. I think he nails it here. True friendship has this kind of impact in our life. Whereas we journey through life, as Keller tells us, in this unity together, we're able to walk and shoulder things together and help have the troubles that we go through and at the same time celebrate together and it doubles and increases our joy because we're sharing it with one another. Like this is what real benefit comes from real friendship. So first, the first benefit, it halves our troubles. I want to turn to Ecclesiastes 4. If you turn to Ecclesiastes 4, we're going to look at a passage familiar to us that talks about the benefits in terms of how friendship allows us to have our troubles. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 7 through 9. Let me read here, starting in verse 7. Again, I say vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with the riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Now real quick, before we move forward, the context shows us someone who's working relentlessly, and I think it's important for us to notice, one person no other, either son or brother. This guy is totally on his own. There's no one else around him and he's just living his life for the purpose of gaining wealth. The result, lack of happiness and living a life of vanity. But then now we move on to verse nine, uh, a passage that we're much more familiar with. And the writer says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. All right, let's just step back from this passage for a moment. A little interaction time. In what way do you see in this passage, does friendship have our troubles? Cut it in half. How does it take place here in this text? What are your thoughts? Okay, more meeting and purpose? Good. Good, what else? He's giving multiple examples here. What's happening in those examples? Yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely. Somebody is there to pick you up when you fall down. And we can just like bring that out further. We'll talk about more in a minute. But there's other ways we struggle through life, isn't it? Like sorrows, hardships, sin struggles. And there's a friend there who can pick us up and help us. Good. What else? Yes. And so I think that if you cross-reference basically what that means is if you're in some kind of spiritual trouble, doubts or questions, spiritually you can turn to Absolutely. If you didn't hear what he said, you, he was stealing my notes. But Galatians 6, 2 talks about how we're supposed to carry one another's burdens. That's that picture here where we're responsible to do that for one another, and that's helping your friend walk the journey of life. What else do you see here? Ecclesiastes 4. Okay, no one's talking about the awkward one, okay? All right, where they keep warm together. Okay, but we don't, we don't want to go down that road too far, but the point is simply this. If you live your life on your own and you're in the desert at night, you're going to freeze. Now, back then, apparently, it wasn't quite as awkward as it would be today, but here's the point. Like, we need one another, and it allows us to go through life and honestly to thrive and glorify God. It halves our troubles. So going back to what he referenced, we are called to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2. And I love Romans 12.15. We are to weep with those who weep. And what's the purpose there? To help have the troubles, to, to share that burden with them, to carry it with them. I think of that picture in the Lord of the Rings toward the end of the trilogy when Sam says to Frodo, Frodo's about done, and they're only, almost up the mountain, ready to deliver the ring. And Frodo, Sam says to Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And I love that picture where he's a friend who is just coming alongside and he's carrying him up there, able to supply what he needs in that moment. And so let's go back to the definition we've talked about on friendship. Keller says, it is the deep oneness that develops as two people journey together toward the same destination helping one another through the dangers and challenges along the way. That is biblical friendship. But here's the truth. That kind of friendship is only possible when we have raw and honest vulnerability with one another. It's not a kind of friendship that's going to come natural. Remember, our natural tendency is more the social media side where we can keep people at an arm's distance. They don't see the real me. They just see the me that I want the world to see, to know. We have a tendency to maintain appearances. We want to measure up. We want the world to know that we have it all together or our friends to know we have it all together. But to have this benefit, you have to be willing to be totally vulnerable with the people you walk with. Willing to share the deepest and, and hardest parts of your life. I think the truth is, is that we're able to do this as Christians because of what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus came and he died for our sin. Because Jesus willingly took all of our sin on the cross. And because we've trusted in him, if you have done that. As we'll talk about in a few, a few weeks. We know that he is now calling us his friends. And so because we have the greatest friend. Who knows all of our weaknesses down to the depths of our heart. And loves us still, that means in our other friendships horizontally, we can be transparent and vulnerable because we're secure in our identity in Christ. So that allows us to be vulnerable with one another. So what does it look like in our life to be more vulnerable? What do you need to do this week? 
practically speaking, to press into this benefit, benefit of, of having your troubles. Maybe you need to pick up the phone or invite a friend out to coffee to tell them something that's going on in your life. Maybe there's something that you're just holding in your heart, a weight you're carrying all alone, and you're trying to, you're trying to bear it alone right now. Maybe there's a friend you know, you're like, all right, I just need to call him. Like, let's just talk. There's something going on in my life. My encouragement to you this morning is don't keep doing this by yourself. God has given you the gift of friendship. It's your call now to press into that with vulnerability and be willing to share what the Lord has going on in your life. But maybe you're on the other side of this. Maybe you're aware that one of your friends is struggling. You've seen things in their life and you're wondering, how are they really doing? Maybe you need to call them up. Ask them out to coffee. Ask them a few questions to try to get them to be willing to share what's going on in their life. Questions like, how can I pray for you? What has God been teaching you lately? What have been some of the struggles you are going through? And I love how just the Psalms remind us of this picture of lament. And whatever they share in that moment, you have an opportunity to bring those in lament to the Lord about the sorrows they're facing. Cry with them, weep with them, weep with those who weep. So maybe you are on the other side where you need to call a friend you know who's struggling. But regardless, true biblical friendship has a wonderful benefit here. Where we can carry each other's burdens and walk through life in this way, having our troubles. And so I'd encourage you to prayerfully consider this week, how do I weep with those who weep? How do I walk with my friends this week? All right, here's the second benefit. It doubles our joys. Biblical friendship doubles our joys. Now there is a way we could talk about this in terms of experience. We'll talk about that in a second. But I want to demonstrate from Scripture how fellowship, relationship, and joy go hand in hand. I'm just going to show you a couple examples. In 2 John verse 12, it has no chapters, just verse 12, 2 John 12. John is writing and he says this, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink Instead, I hope to come to you and talk, I love this, face to face, so that our joy may be complete. Do you know what he's doing here? He's talking about the latest technology called letters, saying that has its place, but it's never as good as me standing next to you and fellowshipping with you and sharing in joy together. There's nothing greater than that. And so we're called to have this kind of joy in our fellowship it increases our joy when we're together with others. And then Paul in Romans, toward the end of the book in chapter 15, verse 32, he says, So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Paul is longing for that time to be with them, to be encouraged and encourage them. There's joy that is doubling when we're together with other people. Again, if you go back to Romans 12, 15, we have weep with those who weep, but we also have, what's the other one? Rejoice with those who rejoice. There's a sense in which we're sharing joy together and it causes us then to encourage our brother or sister in Christ. So as we think about this, we think about the reality that um, there is a, a, a level of, of joy that comes as we're sharing it face to face I want to encourage you this morning that joy really is increased in great ways in our life biblically, but we also see it really connected to 
what we talked about in the first week, how we're created for fellowship. We're created for relationship. You think about Adam and Eve back in the garden and Keller made this point I thought was very helpful. We, we talked about it in the first week, but I think it's so important now even to remind ourselves of. He said, God made us in such a way that we cannot enjoy paradise without friends. God made us in such a way that we cannot enjoy our joy without friends. And then this line, human friends. Like we, we know this in experience, but here scripture is making it so clear. There is a shared joy as we fellowship with one another. Drew Hunter in his book on friendship, he speaks on this a little bit. And he says, a joy unshared is a joy unfulfilled. A joy shared is a joy doubled. Isn't that true in your life? We can see that there is a connection between relationships and joy. We not only help each other by picking one another up, but we also celebrate God's good gifts in our life. Now think about this experientially just for a second. Think about the most exciting news you had in 2022. I would have said 2023, but we're not that far in, so I don't know what you've had. So 2022, the most exciting news, a new job, a new house, maybe got married, engaged, we found someone you like, Maybe, you know, you didn't, I don't know, just come up with something, okay? So you have your idea, right? Something you're excited about. And imagine this moment of excitement and celebration. You run to your room, you shut the door, and you celebrate. Woo-hoo! And you throw confetti on the ground, and you cheer by yourself. How did that go? We know experientially that's pretty lame. There's no one there to celebrate with you. There's no one to, like, they're like, what's going on in that back room? Okay? Joy is meant to be shared with others. So we know that experientially, but yet that's how we operate sometimes. We don't let people near us enough to know what's going on in our life to be able to celebrate with us. Our joys are meant to be shared with one another. Now, think about this for a second. How, in what way can we double our joys? What does it look like in our life to see this practically? If we couple this point with the first point, I think we see that there is a way that joy just begins to sing. In one sense, this is where real life meets. So for example, uh, last spring, my, my brother and I, my oldest brother and I, we were going through just a hard, hard family situation. Weeping kind of situation. And I remember this moment, we're at his house, going through this hard difficulty, and he comes out with a gift for me, because something exciting had just happened in my life. So in this moment of weeping and tears and struggle that we were sharing together, we were celebrating at the same moment something that God had allowed to happen in my life. And that's real life, isn't it? Where joys don't just happen on their own, but they come with sorrow. And when we're walking together and we're sharing in those troubles, carrying each other's burdens, then when joy comes and celebrations come, they're so much sweeter. They're so much richer because these people have cried with us, they've wept with us, and now they're celebrating with us. Maybe you've had times in your life where you've had to share with your friends that you're struggling with sin. Maybe that's been your, your struggle, your challenge, something going on in your life and you've shared that struggle with them and then the Lord brought you through that struggle and that sin. And you're able to go back to that friend and say, hey, listen, the Lord answered our prayer. God's doing the work in my heart. What does that result in? A doubling of joy. Or think about that time maybe when 
you might have lost a job and you were looking for a new job and no one was there and thought, man, I don't know if I'm gonna make this, but you shared that with a friend, you're sharing the anxiety, the stress you're going through. And then you go back to them and say, listen, God answered our prayer. He brought a job into my life. What does that do in your life? It doubles your joy. That's why I think it's so important for us to understand that we have to carry each other's burdens and then it moves us to this point where it doubles our joys. It doubles our joys. Then there are times when God simply just gives us good things in life. Times when he brings something into our life maybe we didn't expect, something to celebrate. Who do you turn to in that moment? Maybe there's a friend right now who you need to call up and just say, hey, listen, did you know God did this in my life? I just need to tell you. I need someone to celebrate with me what God is doing in my life. Or maybe you're aware of a friend who the Lord has been working and doing something mighty and you, want, you need to call them up this week and just celebrate with them. Rejoice in how the Lord has helped them. Yet I think it needs to be said that this benefit comes with greater challenge than the other one. Kind of its own unique struggles and challenges. Here's what I mean. When we share our troubles with others, it's easier to express our neediness with them. It's a lot more difficult to express the benefits and what the Lord has done. This comes sometimes when we feel like maybe if I share that, they're gonna feel worse about what God's doing in their life. Have you ever been there before? struggling to know what should I share, what should I not share with my friends. I think this is one of the reasons why Christian friendship is so distinct from all others. Going back to our identity in Christ, because Christ is that unifying factor in our life. If you're the one who's going through sorrow and your friend is celebrating, you can turn to the good shepherd and trust that those sorrowful gifts are still good. Though they might cause weeping in your life, you can set aside the weeping for a moment because you know that God is doing something good in your life, even though it's difficult and hard, and you can still celebrate with your friend. And because of your genuine love for them, you're guarded from the ditch of jealousy. Because you genuinely care for them and you genuinely want the best for that person. And so God is able to guard your heart from that kind of jealousy when, when you're going through sorrow and they're celebrating in life. But then to switch this around for a minute, maybe you're the one who's celebrating and you know your friend over here is weeping. It could even be about the same thing in life. But your relationship with Christ, your love for them causes you to maybe put aside the celebration and put on the clothes of mourning for a few moments and weep with them. Christ calls us to walk in wisdom through life as we seek to carry burdens, but also celebrate what the Lord is doing. So Romans 12, 15 again, rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Here's that quote again. The world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It is a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in our, and it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our, our, our joys. This is what real friendship looks like. Real biblical friendship looks like. So my encouragement to you this morning is maybe you need to set aside that dried up apple, put it away in the basket. Maybe this week you need to be intentional, heading to the kitchen, means getting off the couch, walking to the kitchen, putting the work in that's necessary in your friendship 
to enjoy the benefits that God is offering you there. The benefits of walking through life, carrying each other's burdens, and seeing your joys doubled because of what Christ has done in your life. Let's pray. Father, would you help us this week to sink our our heart and our, our energy into pursuing this kind of friendship. This doesn't come natural, and it certainly is not easy. It takes effort, it takes work. Lord, would you help each of us here this week to be thinking about which area they need to lean into, a friend to pursue. Lord, would you help us to have people on our mind, even right now, people, Lord, who who are just going through hardship and sorrow right now. Help us, Lord, to carry the burden with them. Lord, help us, Lord, also to have eyes to see our friends who are celebrating life and help us to celebrate well with them, even even if we are going through sorrow ourselves. Lord, we're able to do this not because of us, Lord, but because of what you've done in our hearts. Because we have a friend that is greater than all other friends who knows all of our struggles, all of our challenges, and yet still loves us. And Lord, we know that you have loved us by dying on the cross for our sin and that enables us and empowers us then to love one another. And I pray that that would be true in how we relate to one another in this room and the friends we have even outside of this room. Father, may we be a reflection of the work that Christ has done in our life this week. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.